0: Welcome back to the Pactum Factum podcast, the superpower of everyday negotiation. I'm Lucia Cantor, St. Amour. Negotiation is everywhere, every day. This is the negotiation laboratory where we share insights into basic skills, strategy, history, storytelling, behavioral sciences, and social trends. It's all connected. We are all connected. And everyone can learn how to better negotiate everyday life with keen eyes, hearts, and minds. Thanks for joining us. Somehow in this strange and mysterious world, my podcast subscribership has quintupled in the past week. And I mean by people not related to me. I'm especially delighted by the former law students, now highly accomplished professionals, mind you, who have subscribed and written to me. A couple did mention those pesky planning memos I made them turn in. Yep, those were a drag, one messaged me. But totally golden, she added. Ah, validation. And the cutest part is they still address me as Professor Cantor. When I was on the international lecture circuit, I'd check into a hotel in Paris or Frankfurt or wherever, and they would greet me with, good evening, Professor Dr. Cantor St. Amour. And not only was I impressed they could manage all those syllables, but boy, did it make me feel important. Clearly, they didn't realize I was a nobody from a small town in Illinois, population 4,000. And I'd stand up as straight as I could, smile my jet-lagged smile and muster my most dignified Guten Abend, or Bonsoir. To all listeners, past students, friends, colleagues, and those I've never even met, thank you for subscribing. I'm delighted you are here. Well, the wait is over. Without further ado, I present Negotiation Planning, Part 2. In part one, we cover the first five of the ten-step plan, context, players, and problem statement, interests, specific goals, standards and norms, and leverage. Now for step six, third parties. Are any third parties a factor? Or can a third party be used as an audience, an excuse, a justification? For example, shareholders, a parent organization of a school, union members, the diversity and inclusion committee of your company. Though don't make the mistake of omitting necessary decision-makers from the bargaining table, one of the basic requirements of each party in a mediation with me is that any necessary decision-makers must be present. If you've been negotiating over the course of hours, days, or weeks without a final decision maker involved, it can all fall apart. If they haven't been a part of that journey, you're on a high risk that they just won't get it and it's too easy for them to reject what represents a lot of hard work. They haven't had any skin in the game or taken the time to be a part of the whole story arc. Step 7 possible creative ideas and proposals. Although true brainstorming is time-consuming and best accomplished together with the other parties, it's worthwhile to start this in the planning stage. How can you build on shared interests, bridge conflicting interests, create options? Be creative at this stage without calling your ideas too much. The calling comes later when you gauge if the other side is open to the idea and then you start to test practicality of creative options. While creativity is a wonderful attribute, it must be combined with durability. We dedicated an entire class session at the law schools just to brainstorming. I'd stand in front of the class with a large butterfly-shaped paper clip. I'd say, this class is forming a corporation and this is our invention. What are all its possible uses? Then I told them we couldn't stop until I ran out of room on the chalkboard. Yes, I used a chalkboard and an overhead projector, people. Now aren't you totally impressed that I'm so up to speed with modern times and hosting a podcast? This process usually started slowly, but I would literally stand in silence waiting for them to yell out ideas. An earring. Drain cleaner. Q-tip. Retainer nose-picker, car-hood ornament, pet-tag, cherry-pitter. And at some point when the ideas were running low, I'd prompt them with, what if we had a hundred of them, a hundred thousand of them, joined together? What if we melted it down? And we'd be off and running again with much bigger ideas for power turbines and fences and machinery of social protest and change. Then we would develop goals and interests for our corporation. For example, it needed to be legal, (laughs) environmentally responsible, cost-efficient, readily available or even open source, safety standards, etc. And start to cross off the ideas that didn't match. But in the planning stage, don't be afraid to get a little crazy because you never know when a seemingly wild idea, while not practical in in itself, could lead to a really brilliant and practical one. Step 8. Plan for the use of information. Do not skip over this step. This is the give get guard of the richard shell appendix b planning guide and it means considering what information you are willing to give or want to make certain they hear what information you need to try to get from the other side and what information you need to guard from the other side discovering let's break this down the give what information will you give them and how and with what timing What's the purpose of giving information in a negotiation? I mean, don't you just want to get information from the other side? Well, giving helps the relationship. It provides a starting point, and there may be reasons that you want to be the person to establish that starting point. It can trigger reciprocity. It signals leverage and helps you demonstrate and justify concessions later on. The get what you need to learn from the other side. The purpose of GET is, again, assessing leverage, discovering true interests so that you might satisfy them, discovering obstacles, assessing credibility, testing assumptions, evaluating the standards they are using, and it helps you reevaluate if needed and it's often needed. The guard. This is the information you don't want them to have and why and how to guard it in the face of persistent questioning. Well, how can you do that? You can provide a partial answer, a limited or qualified answer, for example, I can't make such an offer at this time, answer a different question, misconstrue the question, ignore it, answer a question with your own question, bluff, be transparent, as in, I can't share that with you, negotiate information for information as a trade, or my personal favorite, silence. Seriously, if you can get comfortable with 30 seconds of silence in the face of questioning, just watch how they tend to fill that silence themselves with more talking. You might make another chart here with three columns, one for the give, one for the get, and one for the guard. Step nine, your concession plan. This is related back to step three. Map out the concessions you're willing to make during the course of bargaining. Think through all the possible ways you can build concessions into the negotiation to show the other side you're giving up something or some things. Remember people like you included like to feel that the outcome of the negotiation was hard won. Concessions can be monetary or otherwise, tangible or intangible items. Smart negotiators even plan for false concessions. That is, the appearance of giving up something that does not in reality matter much to you. And be aware that the other side may be doing the same thing. They may have their own decoys. Step 10, personal reflection. Think about ideas for increasing your effectiveness and managing your own emotions, reactions, and personal goals in this particular negotiation. Take a few moments to consider what could trigger you emotionally and strategies for handling yourself if that happens. If you are negotiating in a team or with your attorney, is there a code word or secret baseball hand signals you can agree upon in advance that lets the other person know it's time for a break or that you're becoming upset. Note that this requires true presence of mind in the negotiation. When I was a fledgling attorney, I would hold a small, smooth stone in my hand. It was cool to the touch and helped me remain calm and grounded. Did I still get overwhelmed or feel out of my depth? Sure. But the key was that I didn't yield to false pressure tactics, and knew enough to adjourn and reconvene after I'd had some time to think or consult a more senior colleague for advice. If you feel like the other side is applying pressure for you to respond to one of their proposed options or demands immediately, this is a flag. Ask yourself how likely it is that the pressure is real versus manufactured by them, or it's their pressure but not yours, and what that might signify. Absent true time pressure by an authoritative or outside objective source, don't allow yourself to be rushed. There's a scene in the movie Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kids starring Robert Redford and Paul Newman, and oh, I just love them. Uh, Butch and Sundance are the two leaders of the -the hole-in-the-wall game. Butch is all ideas, Sundance is all action and skill, And, well, they've robbed one too many trains and a highly specialized posse starts tracking them wherever they go. In this scene, the posse is closing in on them and they've literally run out of land. They have arrived at a high cliff over a raging river and the posse is gaining on them with each passing second. They're cornered and arguing over what to do. I would watch the scene with my law students and would pause it just before the characters make their decision. Then I'd ask the students to analyze it as a negotiation. What would the negotiated agreement entail here? Well, surrendering to the posse, and it's probably the best way to remain alive and negotiate some, I don't know, plea bargain? Did they do that in the Wild West? Absent that, what's the BATNA, the best alternative to a negotiated agreement? probably to jump from the cliff down to the river and hope to survive the fall. What was their watna, worst alternative? Well, death. What was their malatna, most likely alternative? Again, death, either from the fall or drowning or at the hands of the posse. Oh, and one of them finally admits he can't swim. Can't remember if it's butch or sundance and then I'd hit play to reveal what happens next. You'll have to queue it up on whatever streaming app you use for movies and take a look. Thanks for listening or even partially listening while you multitask. You never know what might stick with you. Keep your ear out for this space because we sure do appreciate your company. I'm Lucia Cantor St. Amore of Pactum Factum, which is Latin for a done deal. You can find me here on Substack and on PactumPactum.com.